Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. My guest today is Jill Mortensen, and... Jill, I thought it would be a great time to reach out to you because June is Pride Month and we're reaching the end of the month here. But Jill's daughter, Sydney, is part of the LGBTQ community. And I thought, you know what? You have been such a great advocate for Sydney and for your family. And I thought we could all learn a little bit about this today to have a greater understanding. So thank you, Jill. How old is Sydney now, by the way? Sydney is 16. Um, They will be turning 17 in December. Okay. Now, you said you used the pronoun they. Can you explain? I've heard that a lot lately. Um, A few different celebrities have come out and said that they prefer to have people use the pronoun they, them. And Sydney has told you that she's more comfortable with that. So can you kind of, for those that don't know, a lot about that. Can you kind of tell us? Sure. I would be happy to share what I'm learning. Um, so a couple months ago, um, Sydney had mentioned to us that she prefers they, them pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are learning to switch out she, her to they, them. Um, and it's taking a lot of practice. So there will be some trip ups, but I'm trying. Um, the reason why they prefer that from what they have told us is they, they, they identify as lesbian, but they mm-hmm. also present as more masculine, so they prefer a more gender-neutral pronoun. Yeah. So they don't identify as non-binary yet. That could change. Um, but as of right now, they identify as lesbian and use they-them pronouns just because that's what they prefer. Yeah. So I think, honestly, I think we, we try to, like, we put things in boxes that don't always necessarily fit. Mm-hmm. And so I think the best explanation is that if someone tells you that's what they prefer, then just do your best to use those pronouns because sure. it means a lot to that person. Absolutely. So it's not really our job to fully understand it. It's just our job to be accepting and affirming and just show our love and um, respect for them by using the proper pronouns because that really is super meaningful to someone who's LGBTQ. I love that. That That is so helpful. So Jill, yeah. looking back on your journey... Is it or was it surprising to you that Sydney is part of this community when she sat down and talked to you about how she felt and how she identified? So yes and no is the short (laughs) answer. Um, No, because I didn't, I didn't expect that. So we'll start there. I didn't expect that they would come out as gay or lesbian. Um, what I did, the signs that I did notice in, hi- in uh, hindsight, now that I know she is, or they are, sorry, um, they always were super unconventional, like in every possible way, style-wise, um, hobbies-wise, friend-wise, um, you name it, like it was just like always marching to their own beat, mm-hmm. right? Like, it yeah. was just never, like, ballerinas and princesses and dolls, and <laughs> she's, she, they are, like, an extremely talented artist, like, extremely talented. And so I know 
I mean, this is like a generalization, but a lot of people in the LGBTQ community are highly creative and artistic. Yeah. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that your child's going to be gay, but that's something that now I see they go to, well, what was Tuacon High School, they've switched over to Utah Arts Academy, but the population at Tuacon High School is, I, I would venture to guess, in the range of 60 to 75% identify somewhere on the spectrum of LGBTQ, which is yeah. astonishing. Um, so typically a lot of creative people identify somewhere on the spectrum, and that's not out of the ordinary. So I think, to answer your question, yes and no. Right. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like, I mean, I I didn't know that statistic at all or that that was even something that was common in this community. Do you feel like it creates that that art or the arts creates an outlet for some of these individuals that feel like they don't fit in or feel like they're different or it just, I mean, do you think that's why? Um, it's, it's one of those chicken or egg scenarios, right? Like, right. I don't know if artistic people are inherently born mm-hmm. identifying on, on the spectrum or if because they identify, they choose those outlets. I, it's hard to say. Like, yeah. I really don't know. But Sydney, um, from birth truly showed signs of being artistic. I mean, they were drawing these little things that were like, when they were two years old, that were like blowing my mind. <laughs> and she's, she's still blowing my mind. <laughs> Which is so incredible. I mean, I am about the least artistic person on the planet. So I know. Anyone. She, did, she actually did, set, or excuse me, they actually did some paintings for the Encircle Home here in St. George. So their artwork is in the St. George Encircle Home. And what is that for people that don't know what the Encircle Home is? Yeah, so Encircle was started um, four and a half years ago um, by Stephanie Larson. She, um, it's a whole story, but she, she began the Encircle Home um, in Provo. Um, the first one is right across the street from the Provo Temple. She saw a need um, with the astonishing rates of teen suicide in Utah, mm-hmm. a need for a safe place for these kids to gather like after school and have just a safe environment where they could do their homework and gather together with like-minded individuals where they felt accepted for who they were. So that's so incredible. She just created this whole model of these homes where anyone who identifies on the spectrum or even allies or parents of can come and just learn and get resources and share information and share experiences and then from Provo, it grew to uh, Salt Lake City. They have a home in Salt Lake City, just um, down the hill from the University of Utah. Mm-hmm. And then St. George was the third home that they've opened. So, and St. George opened, let's see, October of last year. Wow. That, like, it gives me chills. That's just so incredible. And I hope it just continues to expand because that's There's pretty eight awesome. More. There's eight more opening. Really? <laughs> That is so, so, so cool. You know, it, I know. it gets Fantastic. me thinking back to when I was growing up and I grew up in a very small community. It was very LDS-based, Mormon-based. Right. And, I mean, we were just kind of, for lack of a better term, narrow-minded. So I didn't know anyone, anyone except for one person um, during my whole upbringing that 
outwardly identified on the LGBTQ spectrum. And this poor person was just ridiculed and treated so horribly. And it just, it, it breaks my heart because I think of that person and what they went through. And not only that, but how many people did I go to high school with or were in my community that would never dare come out right you know would never yes, dare they saw what would happen to them right? right well and then i think of uh my ex-husband's father was actually on the lgbtq spectrum and it was kept very very quiet because of those same reasons and he did what he felt like he had to do and was supposed to do and got married and had children and he was just always constantly fighting against himself you know, like, oh, that makes me sad. Oh, it breaks my heart. And to this day, I feel like it's just not really talked about in their family. And he ended up passing away. And um, he had some. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional, but he. Okay, take your time. He had some prescription drug abuse issues. And I think that it was very much directly related to not being comfortable or feeling like he could be who he wanted to be and he ended up he ended up moving away from utah and living in california in part because of it but it's just there's so there's endless stories of people like that that just unnecessary suffering yeah so much unnecessary suffering it's just i think that our community our our world has come a long way and we're making steps in the right direction but for years and years people that were on this spectrum just were treated so horribly and or or just felt like they could never be themselves and i think it's just heartbreaking so it is and i'm so sorry that that you went through that i know how difficult that is when it's somebody that you love yeah for sure for sure thank you um you know i think a lot of acceptance of people that are different starts with what we learn in our homes as very little children and I don't even think I've done the best job teaching my kids, especially when they were toddlers, because I was just naive. And um, But how do you think we could do better as parents to teach our kids to be more accepting of this community? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it does start in the home. And the sooner the better, right? Because yeah. our kids watch and listen to everything that we say. They do. Um, so I think um, by choosing what we say carefully, by always leading with love, Mm -hmm. by um, recognizing that it's not our job to judge other people, that our job is to love other people. And um, I think a piece of advice that was given one time that has always stuck with me is, is that don't, don't assume that your children are going to be heterosexual or cisgender. Sure. Like act as if, they could be anyone. Like, you just don't know that about them yet. So so be that first person that they know that they're safe with, right? Like, yeah. that they know that they could come to you if they discovered that about themselves and that they didn't have to hide it because they always knew that you were that safe person because you've led by example by, by choosing to love people who are different. Yeah, and I think it does start with, I think you make a great point of not just assuming that your child is going to be heterosexual and not just from those early years saying like, oh, the prince and the princess and assume like talking to them as if this is just the the given path that they're going to be on, 
right? Because I think absolutely, I think when you start having even just those little conversations, it tells them like this is right and this is wrong. You know, yeah, so. exactly. And even the way you speak about you know growing up and, and getting married, like right. I think you can just you can just choose your language carefully by saying someday when you grow up, you're going to choose a person to marry that you love, and it doesn't have to be gender involved. Like you can yeah. just leave gender out of it and just say the person you love you're going to want to marry. Like, you can just talk about those things mm-hmm. as if, you know, they might choose somebody not of the opposite gender. Yeah. I'm curious your opinion on on maybe how I could have better handled this situation. But um, a lot of kids these days are uh, coming into contact with people that are on the LGBTQ or identify on that spectrum much, much earlier than they used to. And uh, my kids... We're actually friends with a child who came out as transgender when my son was in the third grade. And mm-hmm. he, he was instantly uncomfortable with it. And I was, mm-hmm. so, I was so ashamed by his reaction. I, and I would talk mm-hmm. to him and say, you know, Quinn is a great person and you liked Quinn before. So why are you uncomfortable now? And he would say, it's just weird. Now Quinn wants to wear dresses and act like a girl. And it's just weird. And... Although I could respect his, you know, uncomfortableness to a degree because it was different and he's learning and he was in the third grade and, you know, he was the first time that he had encountered this. I was just, I felt like I could have done a better job as a a parent, maybe earlier on so that he wasn't so uncomfortable. But if you do find that your child encounters a situation like this a little bit later on in life and you haven't set that ground when they were toddlers and talked about some of this stuff. Do you have any advice for <laughs> maybe how I could have uh, handled ne- that differently? You know what? It's never too late. It's never too late to um, to just, you know, change the language that you use. And, and I just think sometimes we beat ourselves up for maybe not reacting in the way that we would react to something as our present selves, as mm-hmm. something that happened in the past. Right. But I think it's important to also allow ourselves some grace because we're all learning and growing. And so when you know better, you do better. So I just think like we have to also be kind to ourselves and, and understand that we're learning about these things that are unfamiliar to us. But I think as long as we have a willingness and a curiosity to do better and Mm -hmm. to constantly be learning how to be more inclusive and how to be more accepting and more loving, I think that, that's the goal, right? Like yeah. just to to never say, well, I, I didn't do it when they were toddlers, so it doesn't <laughs> matter now. Like I just think yeah. there's, there's never, it's never too late to just teach your children to be accepting and loving. And just to understand that everyone's, everyone's lived experience is unique to them. And so I think, especially with like, and I don't understand a lot of, about transgender um, issues, like that's not... As I've listened to a lot of experiences, but I don't have firsthand experience. So I just think a really good piece of advice that was given to me one time by um, a friend who went to hair school with an individual who was transgender, began hair school as male, mm-hmm. transitioned to female during hair school, and my friend noticed that she was feeling extremely uncomfortable around this person, like, you know wearing dresses and presenting as female when she first met this person as male. Right. And someone said to her, and this completely changed her perspective, someone said, 
if you're uncomfortable around this individual dressing as a female, imagine how uncomfortable they are inside their own skin to risk ridicule by dressing as a female in a male body. Absolutely. And she just like, it just like stopped her in her tracks. She was just like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, I have no idea what they're going through for them to be presenting in this way, knowing that they are so uncomfortable in their skin, knowing that they were born in the wrong body, mm-hmm. and to just allow them the space to be who they are. Yeah. Yeah, that is such a, such a great message. What would you say to another adult that is very set in their ways. I have adults in my life that, you know, they grew up a certain way. I do too. <laughs> and their and their thoughts are just them in my life. Yeah. They've just kind of got black and white thinking. Um uh-huh. what would you say to someone that that is a little bit judgmental and still stuck in their ways towards this issue? Um I think if you're interested in trying to become I mean a lot of I'm speaking for myself. A lot of my experiences with people who maybe have like the black and white, more linear thinking come from more religious backgrounds mm-hmm. um, or, you know, Christian religions. And I think the best way to become like Christ is to minister to those on the margins. And you do, by, you do that by loving people who are different than you and not fearing them or not judging them or their choices. And I think... Um, the best way that we can develop that love for people who are different than us is by listening to their lived experiences. And there are so many incredible resources out there, like podcasts and books. And I mean, I could name dozens and I'll have to send you a list that maybe you could link in the show notes or something. Yeah, that'd be great. There, there truly are just endless resources where you can just listen to people speak about their experiences and you, it builds empathy like when you when you feel empathy and love and compassion for someone's lived experience that has been different than yours, that's how you learn to love them like Christ loves us. Absolutely. Absolutely. How has this journey that you're going through, if you don't mind me asking, affected you spiritually? So it's been challenging. Um, I was raised LDS, um, same with my husband, and... Mm-hmm. We were active in the church up until about, Mark went through a faith transition around 2014, um, and that that rocked my world because I he kind of discovered some of the historical inaccuracies, and, and that just, it just, it, it all crumbled for him. Like, there was just no going back. Yeah, and, I experienced um, a similar thing, so I get it. Well, I held space for that. Like, I held space for him going through that. Like, I was sure. terrified. Like, the room was spinning when he told me. Like, I was... Like, the bottom was just dropping out. I'm like, I don't know how to do anything but more. Like, you know, I was panicking. Sure. So it took me a minute. Like, it took me a good few months to grieve um, the loss of that life together because that was kind of all I had known. Yeah. But um, I will say I I had a moment of clarity where I just was feeling so much fear and so much panic, and I just was like, I don't even, I just kind of like fell on my knees and I was just like, I don't know how to move forward with this. And I just felt this like intense feeling of like peace, like the fear that I, that was just like keeping me awake at night and just, I would burst into tears all the time. That fear finally left my body. I like just begged for like God to just take that fear away from me because I'm like, I can't live like this. Like this is a nightmare. 
And I was just like miserable. And so I felt that fear like lift and that, that fog and that sadness just lifted. And I just had some clarity and I just, I felt God's love for, for my husband and just mm-hmm. like, it's okay. Like you guys are okay. <laughs> and, um, so moving forward with that, um, I just felt so much more peace and clarity and I was kind of able to do a little bit of self-reflection and just like, what, what do I believe? Right. Like I was in my early forties and just kind of like, okay, so if this is not going to be part of our path, like what, what do I want my spirituality to look like? Right. And I, I had this like really powerful experience that I'll quickly share. Um, I was, I was listening to a podcast and it was the, Oprah Super Soul Conversations, and she was interviewing Glennon Doyle. And this would have been, I don't know when the interview took place, but I was listening to it in um, 2017. And I was out for a run listening to that, and it was, she was interviewing Glennon on her involvement with LGBTQ homeless shelters. Like, the, you know, they're trying to get these LGBTQ homeless youth like with jobs and kind of on their own because oh, so many of them are kicked out of their homes simply for being gay, oh. which is heartbreaking. Yeah. But she told the story of, so Oprah asked her, how did you know that this was your calling? And Glennon shared the story of hearing about a 14 year old girl who summoned all the courage that she had and finally came out as gay to her parents and they kicked her out of the house. They just said, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. And, like, it crushed me. Like, to this day, when I speak about it, I still get tears in my eyes. Like, I was just like, how? Right. How could you do that to your child? Like, I just, like, I was out running in the middle, like, on the sidewalk, and I had to sit down on the curb, and, like, the tears just would not stop. And then Oprah asked her, she said, um, she said, how did you know that this was your calling? And she said, if it breaks your heart, that's where you need to be. And I was just like, wow, my heart is broken and this is where I need to be. And that's when I decided I had this just overwhelming, like undeniable impression that I needed to become an ally. Like I needed to become an LGBTQ ally. I was like, Mm -hmm. it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, just really taken back. I'm like, okay. Okay. Like I just, there was no denying it. Like it was the most strong impression I've ever felt. And so I just remember talking to Mark about it that night. We went out to dinner, and I told him this whole experience. And he's like, yeah, there's something there. Like, you really need to, to follow that. And I was like, okay. So that's kind of when I got involved with Encircle, and we went to um, we went to the Pride Festival that mm-hmm. fall, either that fall or the following fall. And we bought a Pride flag that we flew in front of our house, like, for Pride Week in September and Pride Month in June. Um, so because of that... Two years later, Sydney knew that we were safe people to come out to, and she trusted us enough to share that part of her wow. with us in September of 2019. Isn't that crazy that that took place yeah. two years prior? Yeah. And, oh, wow, that's a really, really, really cool story. Yeah. So I share that because I want other parents, if they are feeling any kind of a push towards that community, um, that there might be a reason yeah, <laughs> so for follow sure. Your heart, right? Yeah, that is that is awesome. Um, you know, your family. You mentioned the the flag that you'd put in your yard, and I saw on Facebook that your husband Mark had a pretty cool opportunity to talk to an older woman who saw the 
pride flag in your yard and asked what it was about. Can you tell a little bit about that experience? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So it was actually Sunday, so it was two weeks ago today. Um, Mark was just out front watering the plants, and um, our cute little neighbor, she just lives up the street. She's, I think she's 89, like she's pushing 90. She's adorable. The kindest, sweetest little woman. But she was driving by, going to church in her little minivan, and she saw Mark out front watering, and she saw our flag, and she stopped and rolled down her window. Um, And Mark came up and talked to her, and she said, can you just, like, tell me about this flag? Like, what, why, why do you have it, and what does it mean? And, and Mark said, yeah, sure, like, I'm happy to share that with you. So he just explained, um, he explained that the flag was, it's a pride flag, and that it's pride month for the month of June, and that um, it represents the LGBTQ community, and that the reason why we fly is because we want to show our love and support for LGBTQ people. And she was like, what is LGBTQ? Like, she yeah. didn't know what that meant. And so um, I just appreciate people who genuinely <laughs> want to know and want to learn, right? Like, it's just, right. I love that, that she's 89 and asking what LGBTQ means. Like, you're never too old. Like, you are I never love, too old. I just wanted to squeeze her. Like, I wasn't out there when yeah. she was there, but I want to squeeze her for just asking. Instead yep. of being like, oh, I'm too scared. I don't know what that is. I'm just going to drive by and pretend it's not there, you know? Exactly. Like most people do. Asking and educating so, herself and, you know, maybe changing her mindset a little bit. That's so cool. Yes. And having what I like to call a Christ-like curiosity. It's like, mm-hmm. there's there's no shame or fear in just asking questions, right? Like, we are all in this together and let's just learn from each other so that we can love each other better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he, he just explained what it meant, and he also shared with her that um, Sydney is gay and that they are part of that community. And so the reason why we also fly that flag is for them. Um, and she just said, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I didn't know, and um, I'm excited to, to learn something new, and I'm excited <laughs> to be able to share with my grandkids what the flag means because they've been asking. Oh, that's so so great. um, And then she just drove off and went to church, you know, (laughs) church. And so I hope that she can spread that message to her inner circle and and, um, circle of influence and so that people can learn from her now. Right. And and that's the thing is I think just reaching one person at a time makes a difference. You know, if you can just reach your own little family or reach your children or reach a neighbor or if there's you know with this podcast if it just reaches a few people that's okay because it can absolutely make such that a ripple effect you never is. know how yeah. far that can reach absolutely um i know that you've also had some i'm sure you've had some negative experiences but you've had some pretty cool experiences um of, that included acceptance and kindness and I saw on Facebook that someone uh, that was actually in your faith, a leader in your faith, made a blanket for Sydney. Can you share that story? Yeah, that was super touching. Um, it meant a lot to our family, what they did for us. But um, So some very dear friends of ours, they just are our neighbors. Um, we've known them for probably 15, 16 years. He was recently called to be the bishop of the ward that we... We no longer attend, but we still, you know, we yeah. maintain friendships within our neighborhood and our ward. And Right. Um, so he, probably about a week after he got called, and this was super recent, like he's only probably been bishop for about a month. Um, but a few weeks ago, he reached out to us just via text and just said, hey, can Elise and I come over and um, just visit Sunday afternoon? We're like, sure, of course, you know, like we love them. 
and we've mountain biked with their family and like our kids have grown up together and we just we adore them they're just good people and so they came over and they brought cheesecake <laughs> <laughs> and um, just gave us big hugs and just said hey we you know we just wanted to come visit and we just invited him in and sat down and we just kind of had a casual conversation and we we're talking about um, our two of our kids are on the mountain bike team at Snow Canyon together and so we we're talking about practices and rock climbing and vacations we have planned and just kind of small talk and um, a couple of her kids are older one's on a mission and one's um, dating somebody pretty seriously and talking about getting married so we we're just kind of having a good conversation about our families and and then the tone sort of switched a little bit to become a little more serious and I noticed um, some emotion in our bishop friend's voice like he just kind of got a little more emotional and he just said to me he just said I just want you to know how much I appreciate the things that you share um, about your family and your journey with Sydney. He said, I'm learning so much from you, and I hope mm-hmm. you know that we love you you guys so much and that we will do anything for you guys, and we, we want you to know that we support you where you are and that we love you unconditionally. And he just, he just kind of went on and just shared just some really tender things, and I, we were just so appreciative to not feel like a project or yeah. to not feel like any less than because we no longer attend. Like right. they met us, they met us where we are, and they loved us for who we are. <laughs> and I just think, what a powerful example of Christ-like love! Absolutely, like, such a powerful example. Like you have no idea the impact on unconditional love can have on somebody. Yeah, where there's no agenda and there's no, there's just nothing. There's no hidden agenda. Like it was just. It was so pure, and I felt that from him, and it was so lovely. And just, I hope that more faith leaders can be like him because his his example is one that so many can learn from. Because I think for us, we did have to step away from church because of some of the experiences that Sydney was having, right? Of feeling shame and a lot of trauma um, in seminary and church and things like that. So they expressed to us that that was not a safe place for them to be, and we honored that. And mm-hmm. so. If it's not safe for her, it's not safe for us. So we were a package deal. <laughs> yep, which I think is fantastic. So, and yeah. I think you know, with with church and people of faith, there are great people within these organizations, and there's and there's not just like you. There are people in the world that are great and understanding and loving and and kind, and and people that are not. So I think that you know, even I, I no longer attend church either, but. I have to keep in mind that sometimes I'm judgmental and like, oh, you know, they're Absolutely. they're this way, and that's n- not necessarily true, you know. I, that's so true, and I always choose to believe the most generous things about individuals that yep. are doing the best that they know how at that time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we all can't do better, and it doesn't mean that there isn't room for learning and growth, but it just means that, um, you know, a lot of them are, there's some pretty deep programming that is difficult to overcome, I think. And so I think allowing people the grace to also learn. And so I feel like um, the most, the way that I feel that I can have the most impact on people who might not be able to see things the way we see it is to share our journey. Like, I just want to share everything about our journey so that people can like get a glimpse inside of what, what has been meaningful to us, like what, what's a good thing to do and what's maybe not a healthy thing to do. Like, I just want to invite people to learn from our experience so that they can maybe know, like if somebody does come out in their family, like, Oh, I remember that this was something that was helpful Mm -hmm. and maybe this is something that wasn't right. Like we just, 
are constantly invited to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that Sydney is so very lucky to have you and Marcus' parents, that you have supported her and can continue to support them uh, the way that you do. And I, I wish that every child was that lucky. But I really think that you're just doing incredible things for the LGBTQ community, and I know that you'll continue to do so. And uh, anyway, I just really Thank appreciate it. Thank you. That really means a lot to me. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.